0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Maryland's Most Notorious Murders where the most gruesome, the most grisly, the most high-profile cases in Maryland are profiled and examined. This season, season one, child murders are profiled. On this episode, child killer Francois Brown is profiled And this episode's unsolved homicide is the mysterious murder of admired space economist and aerospace researcher, Molly Kenna McCauley. According to yourdictionary.com, a monster is defined as a person so cruel, so wicked, so depraved that they horrify others. And according to Wikipedia, a psychopath is defined as an unstable and aggressive person. When you mix them both together, you create the child killer Francois Brown from Woodburn Heights. For reasons known only to God and Francois himself, dude had serious anger issues and he liked hurting and killing babies like it was normal even his own kid wasn't spared his anger his fury his childish lack of control on december 31st 2012 new year's eve a call came into 911 about a baby not breathing seven-month-old kendall brown was rushed to university hospital with obvious physical injuries kendall spent several days on life support before he became the first homicide of 2013 when he died on January the 6th. The baby died with fractured ribs and had been beaten and shaken so bad that he had bleeding in his brain. Kendall had lived with his mother in her West Baltimore apartment, but on the day he was beaten to death, Francois had been the only one babysitting him in his own mother's home in Northeast Baltimore. As in every homicide or child abuse case, detectives quickly questioned Francois who had been the only one left with his son and he told the detectives that he had played with his son earlier. He played with him until they both went to sleep and when he woke up, he discovered that his son was cold and not breathing or responding. He told the detectives that he did try performing CPR on the baby but that didn't work. That's when he called 911. With prior convictions for domestic violence, second-degree assault, false imprisonment, and CDS possession, detectives quickly immediately zeroed him as a suspect. After intense questioning, Francois admitted to the detectives that he had gotten angry and frustrated with his son. When he couldn't get him to stop crying. Ref- refusing to man up and plead guilty to murder, he took his case in front of a jury and a judge twice. After two mistrials, he was acquitted of murdering his son, but he did accept an Alfred plea. The Alfred plea, which is basically saying, you know, I'm still not guilty, but you got enough evidence to prove me guilty. His Alfred plea to first-degree child abuse resulting in death came with a much less prison sentence than a second-degree murder conviction. Francois received a 15-year prison sentence with all but seven years suspended and five years of suspended probation. He never even served the full four years of that sentence, and for basically beating his son to death, he served a whopping two years and 11 months and was released from prison on December of 2015. Two years later, he met another young mother with kids and made his move again, picking up where he left off. In November of 2017, he had been riding in a car with his then girlfriend, who also had her infant daughter in the car. When the baby's mother got out of the car for a minute to run an errand, she inadvertently left her daughter alone with Francois. When she got back to the car, she could hear her baby screaming and crying out in pain. According to an article in the Baltimore Sun, she saw Francois actually fooling with or maneuvering her daughter's leg. Even though her infant daughter ended up with a broken femur and bruised ribs, Francois was never charged or convicted with anything in this case because the blame was eventually shifted back to the boy's mother to the baby's mother because she had lost custody of her other kids because of other allegations of child abuse. Francois, now 35, moved right on to his next victim and 8 months later he found her, another young mother with three kids, meeting her on the online dating site Plenty of Fish. Francois quickly engraved engraved himself in her new home in the 2800 block of Forest Glen Road at the Forest Glen townhomes in Northwest Baltimore. According to the Baltimore Sun, while they were dating, Francois did tell her that he had been in prison for the death of his son, but he told her that the charges were bogus, that he was innocent, that they tried to pin his murder charge they tried to pin this murder charge on him, but he had beaten those charges. That's why he had gotten out so early. That's what he told her, and she believed him, even though a simple background check could have taken care of that. Despite this, she still not only allowed him in a life, but she allowed him to become an active part of her kids' lives as well. If I needed help with anything dealing with Zarae he was really helpful she later testified in court on the morning of July 18th 2018 18 month old Zarae Gray's mother fed him a breakfast of oatmeal and strawberries then she decided to do some house cleaning Francois being the psychopath that he is he offered to walk her three kids to the playground a block away from her home while she stayed home to clean the house. She had only known him for two months, but she allowed him to take her kids to the playground. When they all came back from the playground a short time later, she noticed that Zarae wasn't acting right. He wasn't acting normal, and he seemed weak, tired, sluggish, and lethargic throughout the, the whole day. She said her son was throwing up and whining more, like to be held and picked up. Later, she left her kids along with Francois again Mm -hmm. when she left her home to run more errands. When she got back to her home around 4 p.m., Francois had put her kids down for a nap and Zarae was lying in bed with his older brothers, aged six and seven. She said Zarae was still moaning, whining, still kind of out of it, and not acting normal, but she really kind of didn't think nothing of it and just thought that he was just having a bad day. Later, around 9.40 p.m., she noticed that he hadn't woken up yet from his nap. When she went to check on him, she saw that his mouth was open, but she felt no air coming out. She leaned in closer, and to her horror, she discovered that Zarae wasn't breathing at all. The first call to 911 came in with her screaming, My baby is not responsive, according to an article in the Baltimore Sun. The 911 operator instructed her to perform CPR on her son, and she frantically followed their instructions. Paramedics arrived at her home and rushed the to, to Sinai Hospital in full cardiac arrest. Pronounced dead at the hospital doctors soon discovered the extent of the raised injuries. This toddler had bruises and blows to his face, forehead, chin, neck, side of chest, and stomach, and an x-ray showed that the toddler had sustained a broken clavicle, which is a broken collarbone, but what killed this baby were the multiple tears and rips that he had to his bowel and abdomen, which were caused by repeated kicks or punches or blows to his stomach. With injuries and wounds that range from being brand new to about a month old, doctors said that Zarae had been punched and kicked so many times that the blows pierced his intestines, which caused massive blood in his bowel, leading to his death. A slow death. A slow, painful death. Detectives were like, really? <laughs> Not again with this dude. You know, three hurt babies, two dead in a matter of six years? Detectives couldn't wait to question Francois. When they questioned him, Francois told them that, yeah, he had taken the kids to the playground, but all of a sudden, he remembered that Zeray did fall off a sliding board while he was there. You know, it's like, funny, he supposedly remembered... This detail all of a sudden because he hadn't mentioned this or even told any of this to Zarae's mother until he learned that the boy had died. He told the detectives that maybe that's why the boy was so bruised up. The detectives didn't ignore the fact that Francois was being extremely evasive. He refused to give out his address or provide any real pertinent information. When the detectives hammered in his face that Zarae's death was no playground accident, this monster then tried to shift the blame on Zarae's six and seven year old siblings, saying maybe they did it. The detectives went to the kids, asked them, you know, did they say anything unusual? Maybe Francois expected the kids to lie for him, maybe he thought that they were too young to understand what they saw, maybe he thought that they were too scared. But Zarae's siblings gave the detectives a whole different account of what they saw that day, and it had nothing to do with the fall off of a sliding board. Zarae's older brother told the detectives that on the way home from the playground, Francois took a shortcut with just Zarae, and the two of them ducked behind another building. The eight-year-old later testified in court that Francois, was saying that he saw him beating his brother, even swinging him around before dropping him to the ground. His brother could only watch as his baby brother cried out in pain. Francois was arrested immediately for Zare's murder and he had the nerve to take his case in front of a Baltimore City jury. His trial lasted five days, wasting everyone's time and energy and money. The jury deliberated for just five hours before convicting him of one count of murder and one count of first-degree child abuse resulting in death. This time, the judge sentenced him to life plus 40 years in prison, completely sealing his future. Throughout the entire trial, verdict, and sentencing, Francois showed zero emotion, zero remorse. Man, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I didn't, I never wrote to this guy because I really, uh, it would have been hard to not judge. I mean, this case was notorious in Maryland because he was a complete, a complete piece of crap. I mean, you know, I've talked to a lot of criminals, a lot of murderers and stuff like that, but it, I, it would have been really hard, even just through a letter, to ask them anything, like, what would made you just target kids, and especially babies, babies, newborns, to, you know, you know, breaking the femur bone of a newborn baby, um, and then your son, even your son wasn't immune, um, That was really, really, really hard to fathom, which is why I started off with just by calling him just basically, um, psychopathic monster. Um, I, this, I had never heard nothing like this before where there was basically, he was a serial killer. You know, he had, well, you know, more than one victim of serial killer babies in, in my eyes. Um, I do believe that he, if he were, there's no chance of him ever being released, but you know, he, he cannot be around kids. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, he did have a conviction or, uh, a attra- uh, an arrest for, uh, domestic violence. I wouldn't be surprised if that was lingering somewhere in the background with this case. I mean, dude sur- had some serious, serious, serious anger issues. And especially to take it out on a helpless baby. Um, I can't even imagine what um, Zarae's brother went through watching his baby brother being basically beat to death. Um, and it's just like uh, <laughs> you gotta watch who's around your kids at all times. I mean, Eight weeks is what she knew. Eight weeks is what it took from, you know, allowing someone like this into your life to do this to your kids. Um, his brothers could be traumatized with this. Um, and, you know, even the, the, the person that saw her, saw him breaking basically her daughter's leg, that would have been, like forget a red flag that's just like what and he was never charged or convicted for that I'm not sure um, if the mom ever pressed charges for that or what happened with that but like I said in the story when in the profile that he was never convicted because um, his the baby's mother eventually lost custody of her other kids and I guess that just meshed into one eventual charge with her. But, um, that was something that was amazing like when I heard it, like he and it wasn't, it was like he just got out he got, that little short sentence that he got, it's like he got released just immediately to start harming kids. It's like I can't even imagine what he could possibly be going through uh behind bars with uh these charges with the charges of basically killing young babies Ugh. that this was something that oh i i it was it was really 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 hard to 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 take in when i heard this case it, it just put a, a chill Ugh. like Breaking the legs of babies? You know, breaking the collarbones? Oh, I just... What? I just couldn't... I I couldn't even fathom that one. This one will always be notorious just from the simple fact of uh, his son was also a victim, as I stated before. And very rarely do I get to a point where I can't even... I picked up the pen to try to write to him and I I couldn't even, I didn't even know what to ask. I was that stuck on this one, so very rarely do I get to that point and Mr. Francois Brown actually took me there and I, I couldn't even write to him. This episode's unsolved homicide is the brutal murder of Molly Kenna McCauley. Let's just start with this and put it out there. Molly wasn't no ordinary woman. At 59 years old, she had accomplished more in her lifetime than most people can even dream about. Born in Richmond, Virginia, Molly grew up mostly in Northern Virginia and was a 1975 graduate of Falls Church High School in Falls Church, Virginia she went on to the college of william and mary in williamsburg virginia and graduated four years later in 1979 with a b.a in economics two years later she got her masters and two years after that she got her phd in 1983. intelligent independent and extremely focused molly became a well-known and beloved space economist and aerospace researcher who everyone in her field looked up to for her knowledge her skills her expertise on the economics of satellites in the earth's observation area because of her brain and training she held up a lot of job titles She was the Vice President for Research and a Senior Fellow at Research for the Future, which is a think tank or research group that performs high-tech research for political parties, businesses, or government agencies. This particular organization focused on the economics of natural resources, which is based in Washington, D.C. But Molly's accomplishments didn't stop there. She was a member of the Space Studies Board, also known as the SSB, and she was a member of the Aeronomics and Space Engineering Board, and she was a member of the National Academics of the Services, Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. Molly was a member of the Steering Committee for the Ongoing Decadal Survey for Earth Science and Application from Space the author of more than 80 journals, articles, books, and book chapters, Molly testified before Congress many times about how she discovered that satellites were being used to control and alter elections. This is an article according to the Baltimore Sun. Even though she grew up in Virginia, Molly absolutely adored Baltimore. And ever since she was 12, she was a member of a Christian science congregation that was located in Baltimore. She still lived in Baltimore City, and she made that dreaded commute every day back and forth to D.C. because she loved Baltimore so much, even though her co-workers tried many times to convince her to move to D.C. On the evening of July 8th, 2016, Molly and her boyfriend had just came back from an Oriole game to their quiet, upper-middle-class Roland Park home. Like she normally did every night, around 10.47 p.m., Molly decided to take her two dogs, Wilga, who was a huge Irish wolfhound, and Leo, a massive plot hound. These are some big dogs on a walk throughout her neighborhood. With a population of roughly 7,600 residents, Roland Park is usually a very safe place to live in the city. Roland Park hadn't even seen a homicide before this since 1998, but on this night, suddenly, a neighbor heard a woman screaming. When she rushed outside to investigate, She saw Molly lying on the ground in the 600 block of West University Parkway, bleeding. Still holding onto her dog's leashes, Molly had been stabbed in the neck several times and was left for dead. 911 was called and Molly was rushed to a local hospital where she was pronounced dead shortly after. Detectives jumped right on this case. I mean immediately they were able to trace a trail of blood to a a large bigger pool of blood that was a few yards away that's where they believed that she was actually stabbed detectives never did find a weapon Molly wasn't robbed she wasn't raped she had no known enemies and whoever stabbed her left absolutely no clues who would want to kill her? I mean, because of all of her accomplishments, awards and accolades, on October 19, 2016, some of her friends planted two cherry trees in her honor near her former home. Forty people donated more than 6000 to the Baltimore Animal Rescue and Care Shelter, which is also known as Barks, because Molly loved dogs so much, and in 2019, the AAS Molly K. McCauley Award was created in her honor to help others who were interested in pursuing greatness in the fields of space and aerodynamics, such as she did. Metro Crime Stoppers offered a reward of $10,000, not the usual $2,000, but $10,000 for any information at all that leads to an arrest or conviction for this unsolved homicide. Ah, Yikes. Um, this smells like whistleblower all over it. In my opinion, um, this Molly was, this lady was killed for what she knew. It's obvious. I mean, it's obvious. For those of us who are familiar with Baltimore City and Roland Park, Roland Park is really not an area that is hit like that for crime, especially not a homicide and especially not a random one where it appears that a victim was totally targeted like she was. I mean, and this is, even though this is an area in the city, um, this area is protected. It's like old money there. Um, it's not really gated, but they're particular on who they let in and who they let just just walk around in their area around that way. Um my gut tells me that this was somebody either that she knew or definitely somebody who targeted her. Um, they knew her routine. And I hate to say it, to be honest, you know, I, I I don't see this one being solved. I do not see this one being solved because it's not supposed to be solved. This was, like I said, this seems like this was a targeted hit. Um, She just, it seems like she knew too much Um, I feel bad for her family I would recommend they hire a private investigator and a very discreet private investigator not one who's going to go around asking a whole bunch of questions if they really want to know what happened with um, Molly's murder you know um, it just I just don't see this being solved by definitely not by Baltimore City detectives um, anytime soon. Um, I would recommend the P.I. route, the private investigator. But like I said, one that would be very discreet. Um, this lady does deserve justice. Um, if, let's, wish people, if they know anything about her murder, they should still do the right thing. Get justice for her and her family. If, if anyone has any information to her arrest or conviction... For this unsolved murder of Molly McCullough McCullough, please call Baltimore City Police Detectives at 410-396-2100 or their tip line at 1-866-7-LOCKUP. You can also text them at 443-902-4824. I do remember when this case happened, and at first I'm... I was, uh, surprised because of the area of Roland Park. I thought maybe she was a, you know, she was a jogger. I just, like, you know, she had two dogs with her. Why didn't they bark? And especially since the neighbors had said, according to articles that I have read, various articles that I read, that these dogs were known to bark at anything. So why didn't they not bark that day? Um, this needs to be investigated by someone or detectives, uh, uh, people other than Baltimore City detectives because they're swamped with other cases. And this could just pile up in the tons of cold cases that detectives have that are currently unsolved as of right now. Um, But like I said, this one is one that should be solved. I just do believe that she was basically killed for what she knew, something that she knew. Uh, maybe it was the testifying in front of Congress or who knows. That's, um, above my (laughs) expertise of knowledge, but, um, it definitely does have, you know, whistleblower, whistleblower all over it. um, but she does still deserve justice. Her family still deserves justice. And this is a murder that definitely needs and should be solved. Thank you for tuning into Maryland's Most Notorious Murders. Please be sure to tune in next week where another gruesome, another high-profile, another grisly murder in Maryland will be examined and profiled. This has been a real life production.